All right, what's cracking, everybody? Happy Tuesday, 7-26-22, 3.50 p.m. out here in uh, eh, cold 71-degree Champaign, Illinois. Yeah, a little cloudy, rainy day, whatever. Markets are here. Um, Fed meeting tomorrow. Let's talk about it. Uh, this is going to be a quick podcast. I want to go through, you know, what I'm looking into in the Fed, what I'm expecting, uh, my views in the market, current economic data, and I'll give you a couple ideas to go out with it for a trade. But, you know, the main, main podcast we're going to do, well, I'm going to do, is going to be on Friday, just recapping the price action post-Fed, okay? Because, like, tomorrow, I don't need to make a podcast to tell you the Fed did a 75 basis, basis point hike plus one, um, yada, yada, yada. So, uh, without further ado, let's just get right into it, okay? Um, so, look, Fed hike tomorrow, what are they going to do? I don't know. They're doing 75 for sure. I think if I was a betting man, I would bet 100, 100 base point hike. Like, definitely. Fed wants to front load it, okay? Because the more rakes that they put on front, then they can just completely cut when they're forced to pivot. And everyone's like, oh, the Fed's not going to be forced to pivot. Fed's not going to be forced to pivot. Well, a dollar, a dollar index, a DXY index above 110 is going to have to cause, is going to break something in the global economy, whether it's leading to a sovereign default, whether, um, you know, a bank, a hedge fund goes bust, okay, whether a peg is broken, that would cause the Fed, uh, that would cause a systemic risk in the financial system, and that would cause the Fed to come in and pivot. I mean, the ECB is already hiking, but they got to come out and with this. TPI uh, program to control yield spreads between, you know, different places in Europe in order to have, you know, smooth market functioning while they're hiking. And, 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 you know, the rates are not negative anymore. They're just at zero. So it's, you know, a little, little comical, a little interesting there. But I mean, look, the yield curves are still inverted here. I mean, the, the six months, uh, six month, 30-year bond spread, okay, not inverted anymore. We're still flat. I mean, we're, we're, we're positive by about three basis points. But if you go to the one-year yield and you go down the line, everything is inverted besides a 20-year um, bond. That's, that's really bad. And there's kind of a, a giant F you to Jay Powell. And, you know, as I talked about on Friday, the three-month, 10-year spread is what Jer- Jerome looks at. And you know, the Fed says is, you know, the only yield curve inversion to be worried about, which I think is, you know, as we know, all BS. I mean, he's just telling you that because it's like the last one usually to invert. And so if we start to see other signs, it's like, well, when that happens, we know sh- something is really going to go wrong. And it's, you know, narrowed a bit. It's narrowed a bit. It's only da- it closed it down about 25 basis points or so today. You know, we we're like 30, 35 over the weekend. So it's like, okay, okay, that's pretty cool. Um, we're noticing that that's about, we're getting ready to blow up in Jerome's face. Um, and, you know, I think the yield curve inverted beginning of May, end of March. So six to nine months from then puts this at about October, December, or let's go September to like basically January is when the real SHIT is going to hit the fan. Hmm. I bet you the yield curve, three, uh, sorry, three tens will be inverted by then. So we'll see how that uh, works out and we'll find out how good of a, recession indicator the yield curve is and just for the record here to show you how much strain there truly is on the global economy i mean these are trip a to uh yeah just above a uh credit rated bonds uh, sovereign bonds i should say okay totally inverted yield curves chile czech poland iceland sweden united states canada singapore partially inverted new zealand hong kong uk minimally inverted germany austria france belgium switzerland 
Major economic stress, my friends. Okay, let's look at freaking <laughs> some economic data that came out today. Okay, literally, well, I guess I should recap for the week. So first off, we see German business expectations crater. Okay, lows we haven't seen since 2020. Okay, um, and if you go back before then, when we see it at this low, 2008. Okay, you get the point. We had multiple readings that were that low. Okay, then we had literally, um, let's see here. U.S. home prices this morning, okay? Home prices were up 8%, sorry, 18% year-over-year, sure. But it actually slowed from, uh, we were expecting the month-over-month, I guess it not really. The month-over-month rate of change was supposed to be 1.5. We got 1.4. And so, like, the rate of change, like, of increase has been going down since April, which is just something to note. So it's like, okay, the housing market is slowing. It's not going to fall off a cliff tomorrow, but it's slowing. And that is a leading indicator is telling you, okay, you know, housing prices are coming in. That should lead to, especially if they overcorrect in the housing prices, that's going to bring much, much, much more downward pressure on CPI for, you know, the next year. So that's something for everyone to keep an eye on, okay? And this because owner's equivalent rent is 40% of CPI, okay? Just, just know that. So your food prices next year could skyrocket, but if your housing prices fall down, CPI won't look like it's that big of a deal, and the Fed did its job. It's all an illusion. <laughs> all right, and then we got new home sales down 8%. I mean, that's a massive miss. It's down for five consecutive months, and then we get Richmond uh, manufacturing data. It's out from uh, the negative territory, but I mean, if we look at like you know this rate of change and decline in rich, Richmond man- manufacturing, and we can see it's you know, the trend is lower, and we know that like you know this Dallas manufacturing data that come out came out yesterday. Sorry, it went from a negative seventeen point seven rating to negative twenty two point six. Okay, hello, massive massive contraction. And I you know if you read this report, you know you got managers in Texas talking about. How, you know, manufacturing activity is completely falling off a cliff, but we don't even have work. You know, it's not a big deal. And the problem they have is, you know, we don't have workers for like to hire even. So if we have to cut, you know, the workforce, it's not as big of a deal. You know, that just shows you how jacked up the economy is. Okay. And then, so, I mean, we got the Fed tomorrow, but the biggest I mean, you know, piece, you know, some of the most important data comes out on Thursday, GDP. And you got, you know, everyone saying, oh, it was a, not a t- it's, a, it's a technical recession. It doesn't mean we're actually in a recession. Get out of here. Get out of here. You're going to tell me that you think growth is going to get better in, Q, in, in Q3 or Q4? Give me a break. Give me a break. So, you know, yes, we're in a recession right now. And it's going to get worse. Um, and, you know, if we have four consecutive quarters of negative growth, depression. So, We'll we'll see we'll see what happens, but no, we're sure shit in a recession, and we'll sure shit be in one. Earnings are gonna compress. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, we're in a recession. Buy stocks. Wait, I bet you six months from now, January March, we'll, like major buyers. Once you know the next wave down is gonna be so 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 painful. That that that's really you're gonna see. That's when people throw the towels in, and it may take you know a year to work itself through all of this thing. I may I may be way way too ahead of way too ahead of my skis as I was last year, but it's like you know, the people think the market has capitulated now. You think this is capitulation? We ain't seen nothing yet. I want to see seven percent down days for two weeks, and then I'll say capitulation. 
or at least, you know, if I got 7% down days for five days straight, that'd be a 35% decline. Let's say every day's down, I, I, I would probably, ch- I would have to change my mind and have to buy. But, you know, that, the, these are the thing. these, this is just what I'm saying, what I'm seeing. Um, and, and so it's like, I mean, the economic data is showing that we're in a recession and it's showing you that bond yield should be 2% it, or lower on a 10 year. And before the financial system collapses, you know, before we actually have to move on to a, a new type of system, rates will go to, to zero. That is why the Fed has to hike. That is why they've been doing this. They know that they're going to break something, but they need to get off zero to hold their credibility. And so, I mean, with this wrapping up, this is a shorter podcast. I want to talk about Nat Gas, what's going on in Europe, IMF cutting growth again for the second time this year to the global economy, but especially saying Britain and, and the EU is going to be in the most trouble. And what I kind of get from this is, okay, the IMF knows that uh, – Growth is slowing, yada, yada, yada. EU knows the same thing. That's why they rule out this TPI BS, right? You know, to basically do QE or yield spread control when sovereign yields across the EU nations start to spread out. So everyone starts selling Italian bonds. Uh, you know, they start buying Italian bonds to lower that spread. And so, you know, you know, there's no fragmentation within the EU countries, right? And so the EU know that basically that happens. IMF is cutting growth, yada yada yada. Let's get a trade idea. Let's talk about what's on my mind. And and I talked about this a little bit on Friday, I think. But I think this is a really interesting subject. And I think Weston, no, I know Weston Nakamura is on Real Vision. He might be talking about this right now or just finished up. But he talked like we talked about this earlier. It's pretty freaking fascinating this idea, and I think that it has a lot of. I, it makes sense it, like with my thesis, and, and I'll get into that in a second. You know, we know growth is slowing, so we want to be long bond, short commodities, and, and, and I have a particular hunch to be short banks. Anyway, basically, Corroda uh, is banking everything on re- global recession, and he is saying we're going to ease completely and not raise rates, and we're going to maintain our 25 base point yield curve control on 10-year JGBs because um, we're, you know, economic, we're in a, you know, economic slowdown, global economic contraction. And, you know, if you read the book, like, uh, Holy Grail of Macroeconomics, like, it basically walks you through Japan's whole history through economic recessions, and so you kind of kind of understand, like, you know, because they're, They've been a thirty percent, sorry, thirty year plus bear market in the Nikkei, and you know, just seen thirty year recession, pretty much a depression since nineteen eighty uh, nine, since nineteen ninety, and yeah, pretty much more or less. Um, and you can see that they've had so much experience to jacked up monetary policy and what can come with it. You know how QE can just straight up not work. Um, you know, with so many various forms of like ways to do QE anyway. So they know that this is, this inflation will most likely blow over. Hence why they've been the easiest out of any central bank. Hence why the yen has gotten absolutely smoked relative to most global currencies. And the yen has normally been seen as a safe haven currency correlated to the francs, gold, um, I guess even the dollar relative to other currencies. But my point is, is if if the U.S. growth starts to decline rapidly and we start to enter a very tough recession, 
And we know Europe is already experiencing that. We know that we're there pretty much. But the data and that really idea attitude hasn't hit the street. And so if we know that, but and we know that Japan is going to be entering the same thing, but their CPI is only 2% right now. And, you know, they're already easing. They already have rates so low. So they can provide accommodative policy despite, and they won't have to add more because they've already known this recession is coming. And because of that, the U.S. will have to devalue. The euro will have to, like the Euro- European Central Bank will have to devalue. And if the U.S. goes into a recession, you see all these, you know, bank- mass ways of bankruptcy, the dollar could go up, sure. Especially against the yen. And if, the, if there is this global recession and the U.S. starts cutting and Japan has to start cutting and Japan has to cut by more, then, you know, this will not work out. But my whole point is, what we know is that Europe is in a way worse of shape than Japan. Because if you think about it, actually, the yen depreciating so much is actually helping, is helping uh, Japanese, Japanese businesses um, via it being able to export their goods for such dirt cheap. Um, and therefore, I mean, the import costs are more expensive, but they can make up for it by exporting more. Um, anyway, so in this scenario, global bond yields go down, yen, uh, JGBs go back negative where the, uh, Japanese central bank does not have to control that, you know, ceiling of 25 basis points. So the yen would actually skyrocket and bonds would actually, well, not skyrocket, but there'd be, you know, massive short squeeze and go down to lower levels. And so that is a short-term trade that I think is very, very interesting and not a lot of people see it, especially, 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 especially because so many people are long, sorry, short dollar yen. I'm sorry, short yen. (laughs) Sorry, short yen. Long dollar yen. So, um... That is something I see happening because everyone is in this trade. I mean, I, I, was, I was in the trade too in December of 21 up until April of 22, okay? That was the time, not now. So um, that's all I got to say about that. Um, I, I, I would just be very wary and cautious about EU. I mean, I, you think, I think 80 on a euro USD is not, is not crazy, but, um, you know, just be ready for that dollar pivot. Cause I'm telling you, once people understand how bad it is here in the U S and, and, and globally, the dollar is going to have to go down and, but the dollar will spike before it does that. And that's because, you know, why does the fed always have to ease because they need to put out more dollars in the system because the problem every single time is this global dollar shortage. You're, and you're seeing it here, like in with you know exports going down global, uh, sorry globally. So the U.S. is importing less. U.S. is importing less, therefore we're not able to export enough dollars globally. A lot of debts around the world. Majority of debts are dollar denominated. You can't get those dollars. You have financial crisis. That is how I'm going to end the story today and the show today. It was mainly just recapping what's going on, me letting it out there because I I got to do what I got to do, um, you know. And then, yeah, so I guess natural gas, one last thing. I mean, it's up 77% this month, the largest gain ever for natural gas after being down 35% in um, June, sorry, in June. Um, and I believe this is because, you know, Siemens, you know, basically nat gas mig is probably getting shut off by the Russians. People are freaking out. There's a major heat where there was last week in the U.S. Clearly not today with the 71 degree weather in Champaign. But uh, fears of that, I, I, there must be a massive bid for U.S. natural gas, you know, European uh, 
countries are trying to get it on the low. I mean, I heard that, you know, I don't know how they're getting it because I know they're not able to, you know, the L, uh, Freeport LNG facility is offline, but I think that's why we've seen this big of a run-up in it. And I think at the end of the day, you know, macroeconomic factors um, and, and, and supply and demand will come to prove what's really happening. And yeah, sure, we have supply constraints, but we've had these supp- same compli- supply constraints pretty much for the past three months. I mean, the news is just reporting on things that have changed minimally throughout the past couple month the past month or two but i would say there's been no real developments the biggest developments in my mind are this demand destruction and that's why i i, I made my money on the way up for natty i made my money on the way down and we're still gonna short it we're still gonna short it and why is that that's because we're we're, we're pigs out here and why why am i going to continue to be long bonds because we know growth is slowing and that is the best thing to hold I'm going to end with a little quote here from uh, Stan Drunkenmiller, um, the probably top five hedge hedge fund managers of all time, was uh, trading with Soros, Soros Asset Management, part of the massive run in the pound um, in 92, and has some just insane stories. If you get a chance, go listen to Stan Drunkenmiller. The Druck is the GOAT. I mean, this guy's had 30% returns for, I think, 30-plus years. I mean, just absolutely nuts. This is what he says, and this is what I, I am uh, taking to heart. I like this one. The first thing I heard when I got in the business, not from my mentor, what, uh, was bulls make money, bears make money, and pigs get slaughtered. I'm here to tell you I was a pig, and I strongly believe the only way to make long-term returns in our business that are superior is by being a pig. I think that diversification and all the stuff they're teaching at business school today is probably the most misguided concept everywhere. Best of luck trading into the Fed meeting. We'll talk Friday on how the market moved and what we're thinking going forward. Uh, Bless up. Stay safe, guys. Appreciate you tuning in. Love you, slats.